1: Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Life is full of
2: conflicts and challenges, but we humans are full of resilience. Whenever we find ourselves in trying times, we grow, we change, we acclimate, and that is truly remarkable. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today the theme for our show is the gift of adapting.
3: Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award winning book, Be the Star You Are for Teens Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading. With this week's theme, The Gift of Adapting, we are going to examine the wonderful ability we have to accommodate to new or difficult circumstances in order to achieve the best results.
2: I've been looking forward to addressing this theme for a long time because all of us are ultimately confronted with some type of challenge for which we need to adapt. Sometimes these challenges loom large. A great example is the drought you might know about that has really been hitting California hard. Now, I live in California's wonderful Central Valley, an agricultural region, and I come from a family of almond farmers. So lately, I've gotten to watch my family trying to accommodate to the changes in water supply and irrigation regulations. Our global youth talk reporter, Ryan Sim, is here to give us more information on this issue and the efforts that are being undertaken to adapt. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for joining us.
4: Hey, guys. So, um, like Henna, I also live in California, and it's a fact that usually elicits one or more reactions from my friends who live in other states. One. Is it true that everyone's super tan and you can see movie stars around every corner? Or two, isn't it always really sunny and warm with palm trees and things like that? And while these ideas are usually humorous, there's a kernel of truth to them. Not that there's movie stars everywhere you go, but the fact that California literally has no seasons. Whether it's winter, summer, fall, or spring, it's typically a moderate 70 to 80 degree weather at least where I live. And with blue skies, a cool breeze, what more could you possibly ask for? Well, the thing is, we really need rain. While we see stories of the worst winter in Boston on the news, California's been facing the driest three-year period in California history, even stretching back to the gold rush in 1850. And the results? Here's a couple of snapshots on how this drought has affected local communities in the area. The East Bay Municipal Utility District, which serves over 1.3 million people in Alameda and the Contra Costa counties, has been discussing harsh penalties for people who excessively use water, with the possibility of doubling the cost of water for households that use more than 1,000 gallons a day. Farmers located in the Central Valley have said their livelihoods are at stake with their needed water levels being cut by nearly 25 percent. The total cost, an estimated $2.2 billion and nearly 17,000 agricultural workers out of work. But beyond California, we can see the world at large is suffering from greater and greater water losses. Colombia, Pakistan, Somalia, Australia, Guatemala, China, Kenya, to name a few, are also suffering from extreme drought conditions. And according to the Water Environment Federation, global droughts have affected over 2 billion people, leading to more than 11 million deaths. This is an issue that we simply can't afford to water down any longer. Efforts must be made to promote public awareness of the importance of conservation. And green technology must be invested in. And then hopefully, just hopefully, we can bring our world back to the green beauty she once was.
3: Wow. That, I think, is such an important issue right now. I lived in California for a couple of years, actually, and the drought that it had been facing was terrible. Like, we had such high water bills because the, the price of your water bill was going to go up because there wasn't enough to go around. And the dry seasons were completely unbearable. It was just insane on how bad it was. So... My family and I were thinking, you know, what are some cutbacks we need to make? What can we do to save more water? And we were just thinking of all these different ways we can do this. But what are some conservation techniques listeners can do to tackle the drought?
4: Well, um, like you, like my family also has to deal with, um, you know, high water bills and things like that. So just some of the things that we've tried to do just around the house is cutting back on shower time. I know that... um, as teenagers, especially like for me, because I have to wake up really early to get to school. Um, I like tend to shower for really long times, but I know that with our drought, we can't really handle it. So um, cutting Mm -hmm. showers down even um, by a little bit every day can really significantly, I think, impact how our drought is influencing our communities, but um, more than just like showers, there's also other little things that you can do as well. Like for instance, when you're you know brushing your teeth, it's easy to forget about you know what you're doing and leave the water running. But even mm-hmm. like every one of those little drops of water that we're like wasting and we're not actually using, I think accumulates as a whole into really exacerbating the drought conditions that are affecting our community. So I think every one of those little steps, if we were able to take them. Could really be impactful in um, conserving water and really helping our environment.
3: Yeah, I think you know, with the whole cutting back, a lot of it we actually do. Um, you know, we do the dishes, and my brothers and I, and we do them every night. And the thing. Uh, that we were learning is that we were so bad at turning off the faucet as we we're scrubbing the dishes. And, um, once, uh, a, c- a couple months ago, our dishwasher broke and we had to get somebody to come repair it. So he came by and my mom was like, you know, I know my children are going to use this as an excuse. Um, would it be cheaper to do your dishwasher instead of washing them by hand? And the repairman actually said, yes, it's cheaper on your water bill to put your dishes in the dishwasher instead of washing them by hand because the dishwasher uses a certain, amount of water, a certain amount of water every single time. And while you're washing them with your hands, you know, you can leave the water on for a certain amount of time and then leave it on the whole time while you're doing it. It's just, it fluctuates. So if you do the dishwasher every time you wash dishes, it's a lot cheaper and it, uh, you know." takes the load off of the drought if you do that because you're using less water. And uh, we don't live in California anymore, but my mom is always uh, telling me to cut back on my shower times because the same as me, I'm terrible at taking showers in the morning. I'll take like 10, 15 minutes and it's
2: so bad, but <laughs> but uh,
3: those are some really simple techniques, I think. Yeah. And, I, and those are really useful.
2: Yeah, a little bit goes a long way. And I'm particularly interested in this issue because as I mentioned, I'm from the Central Valley and Farmers really are feeling like their livelihoods are threatened, as you mentioned, Ryan. And I'm curious, in the region of California that you're from, are you really hearing about this drought issue a lot? Because I can speak for the fact that here in the Central Valley, at least once or twice a week, every local newspaper is printing some sort of op-ed, article, report on the state of the water crisis here. And so I wonder, is that Kind of issue being talked about so much in the rest of the state as well because i know in the central valley it's really on everyone's mind
4: well um i think that the issue of the drought is definitely on our mind as well like i know when the ice bucket water challenge was happening i mm-hmm. think over the summer a lot of my friends were actually kind of against doing that challenge oh. because um they were afraid that by using these buckets of water we might actually um exacerbate like I said before the drought even further and um but in terms of like agriculture I think because the area that I live in which is sort of like more urban near like San Francisco we don't talk about the drought's effect on agriculture as much as we do just on our everyday lives Ah. on just like you know like day-to-day living but um it's definitely on our minds like how much it affects agriculture and how much of an impact it can have on our economy and um I noticed that you said earlier, you talked about the almond, how you come from a family of almond farmers. So I was just wondering, um, do you think that you'd be able to give us a little bit of insight on, um, you know, how your family has been, like, impacted by the drought? Because, like, I know we've talked about how our families have been impacted by the drought, but I was wondering, like, how a more agricultural family might have been impacted?
2: Yeah, yeah. So my grandpa is really into almond farming, and he's kind of the one who got my parents into it as well. And running alongside his farm is a a, a pipe. And the problem is that with the local irrigation district, they're having trouble getting enough water to come to sort of flood the ranch a couple inches uh, so that the almond trees can get irrigated properly. And so I, I can tell, you know, anytime my parents and my grandfather are talking about what's going on with the ranch, this issue of water is at the forefront. And I know that there's certain restrictions being discussed right now, sort of at the administrative level in our towns to figure out how maybe more people can start saving water. Um, I know my parents have now, because of this, really hit, hit hard on me to you know, take quick showers, to incorporate all the tips that we talked about earlier about how we can just save water every day. Because it's affecting us personally. And isn't it amazing when something starts affecting us personally, how much more galvanized we are to make a difference? I've definitely seen my family rallying around this idea that we can take just small efforts every day to conserve water. And I'm really glad that you spoke to that today as well. I hope some more listeners will get in on that effort as well. So thank you for sharing all this information, Ryan. I think you've definitely increased our awareness about different ways to adapt to the drought problems so that we can keep our lands luscious and green. During the break, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com to see photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Hannah Hundle.
3: And I'm Asia Gonzalez. On April 25th, book blowout bash at 5A Rent-A-Space in Moraga is taking place. Hundreds of brand new best-selling books will be on a blow sale with all proceeds benefiting the be the star you are. You'll be able to get great books starting only 99 cents, free snacks, entertainment, kids crafts, and a concert under the direction of Andrew Wang, plus singing by Jennifer Lee. Check back for more info. And the fun begins at 11 a.m. and ends at 4 p.m., on may 9th at the 9th annual moraga fair with free activities for the community mark your calendars and visit events the events page at the btsya.org website you can also visit our youtube channel youtube.com slash be the star are to watch fun and informative videos stick around for our next segment as we get we continue the conversation on adapting
1: We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. What do
5: you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? On the Voice America Kids Network,
2: brought to you by Be the Star You Are Charity. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today our show is all about the gift of adapting.
3: Today is one of those lucky days when we get to welcome an amazing, inspiring guest to the program. That's right, we're talking about Sandy Goldworthy, author of Aftermath and AfterShock. Sandy was born and raised in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, earning a bachelor's degree in marketing from the University of Wisconsin-Oshkosh. Her passion for putting pen to paper began when her high school English teacher inspired her to be more creative and descriptive in her work. Ever since then, Sandy has dabbled in creative writing, searching for that perfect shade of red. Sandy's first novel, Aftermath, was signed by Clean Teen Publishing in 2014.
2: In Aftermath, Emma Bennett moves to her aunt's small town of Westport to finish out her senior year of high school after losing her father. Emma wants to forget the pain and loss of the past few weeks, and she finds relief in the the company of Ben Parker, a local boy who she has an instant attraction and uncanny connection with. When Ben seems a little too preoccupied with other responsibilities and has no time for her, Emma turns to the town's hottest flirt, Lucas Crandon, for affection. Unfortunately, she realizes a little too late that sometimes bad boys really can be bad for you.
3: Life as an undercover agent for the Afterworld's Bureau of Investigation isn't an easy job. When Ben Parker finds his soulmate, Emma Bennett, in a small town, he finds himself forced to choose between doing his job and rekindling a relationship with the love of his existence. After Ben is notified that a notorious criminal immortal is loose somewhere near Westport, he realizes that his love life will just have to wait.
2: There is a criminal to apprehend before he can have his girl. When lives are at stake and immortals are on the loose... Can two soulmates find their happily ever after? Well, Sandy Goldsworthy is here herself to give us the inside scoop. Welcome to the program, Sandy. Thank you for joining us.
6: Thanks so much for having me.
2: We're so glad to have you because you've got these terrific books out and we want to get right to it because they're so amazing. And what inspired you to write Aftermath? Was it kind of you woke up one morning and had an epiphany that you needed to get the story out? Had you been thinking about it for a while? What inspired you?
6: It's sort of like that actually. I had a dream. Um, it was a really short <laughs> dream. Um, so I did wake up and have a little bit of <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, what happened in my dream is that I, I was kind of part of this train that derailed. And as the train cars kind of went down this, uh, work into this ravine, I noticed two Characters or two people on the train that didn't seem affected by any of, of what was, tra- you know, the tragedy that was going on. Mm. And once everything kind of settled, the dust settled, the, you know, whatever smoke and stuff that I envisioned, they pretty much pulled all of the victims out of the rail cars and then kind of handed them off, like escorting them up to heaven. So I just found that so, I guess, moving and touching. I woke up kind of, you know, ha- feeling panicky, if you will, and I just started writing short stories, and the character of Ben and Molly came to me. Those were basically the two characters that I um, saw, I guess, if you want to call it that, in my dream. So that's how it started. The next thing you know, I had a a whole novel.
3: (laughs) That is so awesome. I love that description of the dream. That sounds like such an interesting story. How long did it take you to write the book?
6: When I first started, I was writing a lot of little short stories. And when I started getting serious with it and and started um, just plunging forward, I took about a year to write it and then about another year to really craft it and edit it. So in total, Mm -hmm. before I got it marketed was about two years.
2: Wow. Wow. And, And you definitely went through a process in writing it, you know, having that epiphany. And so that was a probably impactful moment in your life. But I'm sure even after you've written the book, it's probably touched you in other ways as well. What are some of those ways?
6: Well, you know, as I was writing, I guess, a lot of the characters came to me as, after I had started. I didn't you know, have these characters in mind when it first began, other than the character really of Ben. Um, mm-hmm. But Emma's story is a little bit touching and a little true to my heart because I was orphaned as a child. And in Chapter 1, you'll find out that Emma is orphaned as well, so she has to move to another town. And so mm-hmm. Ben swoops in to pretty much be there for her in the aftermath of that tragedy so I, I, it's a little bit touching to me because I can relate to that having started all over and, you know, new school, new town, that kind of a thing. So a little bit of me is somewhat in there. And it's a little bit true to heart.
3: I think it's really cool to incorporate when you're writing something to put some of your personality in it. It kind of makes it to where you're relating to the audience that you're speaking with. So, you know, a certain character that the reader loves, you know, that's kind of, a little bit of you put into that character. So you're kind of relating with the reader as well. So what I was thinking um, and wondering is who is your most meaningful character and why?
6: Um, you know, most meaningful is, is probably Ben, just because in, in the story, he spent 70 years looking for his soulmate and he never gave up. Mm-hmm. So I think that perseverance is, is remarkable to me. And I, I really like that. That was pretty meaningful. He's a, a really good character. I really liked him. So developing his story and trying to get into his head was, was interesting.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and this idea of never giving up is so critical to finding your prosperity and success in life. And actually the theme of this show is the gift of adapting because we want to help young people learn how to adapt and accommodate to challenges so that they can pursue their dreams and find their success. And I know that being a writer in particular – you have to deal with a lot of setbacks, a lot of failures, and really learn how to adapt to the industry and I'm sure you've had to kind of work through the loopholes of that as well.
6: Oh, most definitely. Um, first of all, the whole writing or the whole book industry has changed from you know mm-hmm. ten years ago or you know longer than that. Now we have the internet and ebooks and and so many other social media avenues for. Uh, marketing your book for publishing your book Um, but most definitely one of the things you need to adapt to when you are trying to market trying to get a publisher to take a look at it is is don't give up and just continue to persevere because everybody gets rejections I got rejections Um, and it's just part of it so learn from it don't take it to heart Uh, you know if, if you get feedback that's positive or helpful in some type of maybe critique type of way Modify it if you need to, but just don't give up because you you do need to adapt for sure.
3: I think, you know, adapting in life is just necessary. So with adapting, you know, there's a lot of frustrations that come along with it. You know, maybe there's peace that comes along with it. You know, you never know. But when you're frustrated, you know, there's things you have to do. What do you do to unwind and relax and, and just completely not think about anything like that?
6: Oh, for me, just to un- unwind, I get lost in a book or in a movie. Mm. I mean, that's kind of escape from escape from the reality of the trying challenges of day to day life. Um, so, yeah, you know, for me, in the past couple years, as I've been writing, I was fortunate enough to kind of escape in my own little world that I was creating. Um, but it's nice to just get lost in a in a book, um, lost in a movie.
2: Yeah, each book is its own universe. What books have you been reading lately? What have you been enjoying?
6: Oh, goodness. Uh, So many. I'm not really stuck with just one genre. I, uh, the last book that I had read was a paranormal romance. So that was kind of right up my alley. Um, But I'm, I love memoirs. I love mysteries. I love all kinds of different books. So I'm a fast reader. That's my big problem. As soon as I start reading it, I can't put it down. So I don't really care if we need to make dinner or if I have to do the laundry or anything like that. It's just I got to get to the end of the story. I want to know what happens.
3: <laughs> That's so funny. I do the same thing. Like people will be trying to talk to me and I'll be reading a book and be like, Asia, Asia, like trying to talk to you. and <laughs> I'll be like, oh, sorry. Um, oh. It, yeah, all the time. And, you know, I tried to write some stories myself. I I haven't done it in a long time. But, you know, you get writer's block, and you don't know what to write about, and you feel like you don't have enough time to do it. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to become a published author?
6: Well, first of all, a lot of the authors or a lot of the writers that I know, they say there is no such thing as writer's block. Um, I do feel that I get myself stuck once in a while. And more than anything, it's it's being stuck. Not necessarily a block, but I, I kind of feel like I want to write this or I want to write it in this way but your characters tend to argue with you and fight with you because it's it's almost like they have a a life of their own once Mm -hmm. you start creating them. Um, So some of the things that I've done to get over that is to just pick a different scene and skip the section that's troubling me or get up and and write in a different environment, you know, instead of sitting in, you know, at the kitchen table, go to the couch, go to the dining room, do some, go someplace else, go outside, enjoy the weather. Um, You know, I have some friends that, if they're not writing a, a novel per se, if they're not in a story but they're writing just short stories, some of their comments and ideas have been to pick an object and write a story about it. So basically have oh, a wow. you know a That's different a good idea. idea. Right. Completely take your mind from whatever's troubling you because yeah. as soon as you can see that creativity, then things flow all over again. Yeah.
2: Oh wow, very interesting. Well thank you, Sandy, for this conversation. We can definitely see why you've achieved so much. You are a rocking author and individual, and we love all this insight that you've shared. So stick around, because we can't wait to hear more from you. And during the break, everyone, be sure to connect with Sandy on Facebook at author Sandy Goldsworthy, and check out our website, which is www.sandygoldsworthy.com. The books are called Aftermath and Aftershock, and they are riveting reads. I'm Hannah Hundle.
3: And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Remember to check out our events page on our site at btsya.org to keep the date for April 25th's book, Blowout Bash. Also, please visit our radio website at expressyourselfteenradio.com. We'll be back in the next segment as we continue our conversation with
1: Sandy.
3: You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio.
5: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star Thank team. you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our
2: program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today's hot topic is the gift of adapting. And we are
3: back with the very amazing Sandy Goldsworthy, author of the books Aftermath and Aftershock, both part of the Afterworld saga. Sandy has been a lover of creative, descriptive writing ever since high school, thanks to the guidance of an English teacher. When not writing, Sandy enjoys traveling, cooking, reading, and hanging out with friends and family. She resides in southeastern Wisconsin with her husband, Mike, two children, Brittany and Kyle, and their English Mastiff, Miles. She's passionate, productive, and back with us on the program. Hi again, Sandy. Thank you for staying with us.
6: Hi, how are you?
3: Great, great. So we were talking about your your books in the previous segment, and we were talking about the characters and you know what you did to get more inspiration. And without giving too much away, can you tell us what your book is about?
6: Oh, absolutely. Um, so the one of the there's two main characters. One of them is Ben Parker, and uh, when he died in World War II, he went to the afterworld and realized his wife had quite a bit of time left on her life contract, we called it, or I called it. And so he decided to join the Bureau of Investigation and become a special agent, which then allowed him to travel back to Earth disguised as a human. He could, you know, make himself appear any age or any appearance that he wanted to be. But he wanted to be back on Earth so that he could keep tabs on his wife. Unfortunately, he never found her. And so 70 Mm. years later, he... Um, comes to find out he's ready to give up and uh, go back to taking on another life or whatever it is that he chooses to do. And he finds out that his wife's soul has been found in 17-year-old Emma Bennett. So the book is in alternating points of view. Every chapter is a different point of view. And Emma's story begins her senior year of high school. She has an argument with her father and soon learns that he has passed away. So Ben chooses to go into her life at this point to get to know her, to kind of help her through the the tragedy, the aftermath of the tragedy that she's undertaking. So she has to pick up and move to a whole new town, new school, and virtually start her whole life over.
2: Wow, wow. And what I love is that this story has so many wonderful twists and turns, but I can imagine that for the writer, sometimes that's quite difficult because you might have one idea or one conception in mind, and by the time you sit down and start writing, You might have a completely different idea of what you want to convey. Did you find yourself going through that kind of push and pull that, do I want to write this or do I want to write that as you're developing the storyline?
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. That happens all the time. So I initially, I started writing short stories about Ben, and then I started having some stories, you know, short stories about Emma. But when I really started putting it together... I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to outline this. So I probably had 20 pages of an outline that at the end of the day, half of it ended up getting scrapped from book one, and you'll (laughs) see some of those segments in future books. Mm -hmm. Um, But the story kind of took a life of its own. You'll find yourself as an author, if you talk to any other authors, you'll hear the same thing. You'll find yourself writing dialogue that you're shocked came out of one of your characters and all of a sudden you're like I have no idea where that came from and I have no idea what they're gonna do next but it all comes (laughs) to you it's almost like the pen just takes over or you know the keyboard takes over on its own it's really fascinating
3: that's so cool I love how that happens how it just develops on its own yeah how you don't even need to try and think of something it just comes to you quickly uh and with that in mind, how your characters are basically speaking for themselves and writing it for you, have you ever had anybody um, come in and try and give you advice on how the story should go? Have you ever had any, like, suggestions or have you taken suggestions from people at all?
6: Uh, fellow writers you're talking about or friends or family, friends, outsiders like that? Fam-
3: yeah, like yep. like friends, family.
6: Yep. Um, So I actually joined a writing group uh, locally here in southeastern Wisconsin several years ago, and that's when I was just doing the short stories. And, you know, part of the different groups that I've been a part of, you actually read your story aloud to one another, and then people give you some comments and feedback. And so most definitely I've had some great Um, suggestions in terms of, you know, just comments, like, that's not appropriate, she would never say that, that's not really uh, in her character, or Mm -hmm. did you think of this, and what does so-and-so think of that, if this is what's happening, and so it really does shed some light, and helps you keep it more realistic, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in other words, if a couple has a fight, and the girlfriends are all commingling about it, you, you get all of that kind of feedback when you're in a writing group, so I've been really fortunate to have a great support network here as I was writing and editing the book, especially.
2: Yeah. Good. Yeah. And to the point about a support network, do you ever find yourself getting feedback from your children? Because recently oh. on the program, we had an author who had five kids and he said that almost every one of the characters in his books was based on his kid or informed by the kid. Uh, do, you, mm-hmm. do you ever go to your, especially because this book has, it's, it's centered around teenagers. Do you ever find yourself kind of going to your, to your kids and saying that is this something a teenager would do or that sort of thing?
6: Um, it, I don't really ask them for advice about it, but I can see what they've kind of gone through. So I get some insight from that without mm-hmm. specifically giving them an example and getting the feedback. But I can tell you that I did pick up quite a bit of that. When my daughter read the book, she she quickly texted me and she said, really, you described my exact prom dress for the, for the book. So yeah, I've, I've obviously used some of what I've learned from them um, <laughs> as, as part of the inspiration there.
3: That's so funny. I love that. So when did you first really realize that you wanted to be a writer? You know, what inspired you? Because I know you, your English teacher told you, you know, you can get more descriptive and he gave you some advice on it. But when did you really, um, you know, have it set in your mind? Like, I want to be a writer and I want to publish my books and create, you know, my own world in these, in these uh, novels.
6: Well, it didn't come up as one epiphany in that fashion. Um, but back in high school, I definitely had an English teacher that was, really telling me to slow my my writing down and really take a deep Mm -hmm. breath and really picture this and really put yourself in the moment. What do you feel? What do you see? Utilize all of your senses. And that was just so relaxing that it really just brought out a lot of creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not what I went to college for. I went to school for marketing, and then I got married and had a family. And, you know, I always told my college roommate, I want to write a book someday. I just didn't envision it being a fictional young adult paranormal romance book I wasn't quite sure what it was that I would write I just knew that once I had some more time when my kids were a little bit older and I was going to start focusing on my enjoyment you know my hobbies (laughs) that I wanted to do some writing um, and then the story just came to me initially I just wrote a bunch of short stories here and there I submitted some contests you know different outlets like that but when I Mm -hmm. had that um, dream and the whole storyline came to me then it, it just evolved from there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And what I love about that anecdote regarding your high school teacher is that he gave you some constructive criticism, you know, that you can be a little bit more descriptive, you can work on this and tweak that a little bit. And you took that criticism as something to help you better yourself as a writer. And I think that's so important, whether you're going to be a writer or go into any field, is to be able to understand that criticism, maybe against your work, is not the same as criticism against you. You really have to be able to embrace. People who who just want to help you as you grow and develop your craft.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. I've had some teachers in classes and workshops that I've taken in the past couple of years that have also been critical in a way, but helpful, not critical in a negative way. I mean, they're certainly not commenting about anything personally, but it's more in a suggestive. What did you think of this? I'm not seeing this element in there, and it's really making you take a reflection inside into your work and what is it that can I, I can do to change to improve it. So that's been very helpful throughout any of my career.
3: That's good. I think constructive criticism, um, or even feedback is just a positive thing to, you know, keep in mind because, you know, without criticism or feedback, we wouldn't change to make something better. And that's the whole, um, theme of this radio show that is we need to, adapt. And with all the feedback that we get, it'll help us adapt to make something better. And I, I realize, you know, being a writer, there's a lot of, there could be a lot of moments where, you know, something uh, is tough, you know, publishing or getting, you know, the rights to something or just anything in general. Uh, What was a moment in your uh, writing career that you just had such a hard time with, but you, you overcame it?
6: Well, I know we talked a little bit about writer's block. Um, I want to say when I was about three-quarters of the way into uh, Aftermath, um, I kind of got to this point where it just didn't seem like it was coming together. And, you know, I did some of the suggestions I already told you that I did. I started picking up and writing in a a different environment. I started writing a different scene, and then suddenly it started coming, and all the pieces fell into play real easily for me, and it, it just came through, but you do have to persevere. There was a moment around that time that I thought, you know, this is a silly little hobby. Why am I even doing this? Mm -hmm. And I thought about giving up. Um, And uh, a friend of mine out of the blue heard that I was even writing a book, which is kind of my closet secret. I wasn't telling anybody about it. (laughs) And um, she found out because my husband decided to tell, I guess. And so um, she sent me a little note just saying how how inspiring that was that I was doing this as, as a hobby. And I thought, well, now I can't give up. Now I have to prove by myself, yeah, exactly. myself and everybody else. So I just I just plunged ahead.
2: Yeah, that's the way to do it. Well, thank you very much for these tips and these pointers and for coming on the program today. You were so remarkable and talented. And we I think we're really gonna take to heart all these ways to adapt to challenges as we chase our dreams. During the break, Thanks everyone so be sure to connect with Sandy on Facebook at author Sandy Goldsworthy. And also check out our website, sandygoldsworthy.com. To learn more about the Afterworld Saga books, Aftermath, and Aftershock, you're definitely going to want to grab some copies. I'm Hannah Hundle.
3: And I'm Asia Gonzalez. On April 25th, Book Blowout Bash is a great date to save. Check out the events page on btsya.org for this awesome get-together. Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay tuned for our next segment as we continue our, our conversation with Sandy Goldworthy.
5: What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. they right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star Team. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids.
2: I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of adapting.
3: The discussion so far has been awesome, as we've learned about the various ways that we may need to adapt at some point in our lives. I feel it's important to contribute my own spin on the topic because... You know, change is important. It teaches us new lessons in life. You know, how can we grow if we don't experience change? If we had the same thing every day, it would become repetitive and we wouldn't understand new things. And I've experienced a lot of change myself, moved more times than I can possibly explain. I've met so many people and some of them are friends that have stayed and some of them are friends who have left. And I have discovered new beginnings and ends in my life. I've discovered who I am by going through every day with a new perspective and all things require change, lots of it. And with everything that goes on with moving, you know, you meet new people, you make relationships that impact you so much. And then when that person, you know, leaves the, that portion of your life, you, you're either devastated or you're happy about it. You know, it just depends on what the situation is, but it's all about adapting to that certain situation. If you were really good friends with that person, uh, like I was, um, ending a friendship is something that's really hard. Or moving to a new area that you have no idea what you're going to do. You know, you're going to a new school, uh, you're experiencing a whole new atmosphere. And with college coming up, I have no idea what I'm oh, doing. <laughs> and all of that is just about adapting, you know. You're going to go to a new school, you're going to start your own life, you're possibly going to live by by yourself. You're going to be on your own, you're going to be, you know, handling your own affairs without your parents' help. Yeah. It's it's all just about major change and I think, you know, with that season coming up with um, applying for colleges and major possibly oh yeah, possibly going to <laughs> summer classes or if you're, you know, you're moving out like you're going to live on your own while you're in college or you're buying a new car or just something like that. It's just it requires major adaptation and it's it's scary sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you know, I love that you bring up this idea of going to college because right now both you and I are on the threshold of the rest oh, yeah. of our life. Yeah. You know, we're kind of at the crossroads here. We and, are. And we have a couple of choices. We can get scared. We can say things like how am I going to face this? What is this mm-hmm. going to do? You know, you can start feeling like a victim of the circumstances because we're so young and yet we're being forced to decide how we want to spend the rest of our lives. Yeah. On the other hand, you can choose to embrace the change and see exactly. this as an opportunity for growth and development and holding your adaptation skills. And I it think is. you can always find a benefit somewhere in the change. And a great example of this for me was when I recently got to start a gratitude journal that was the idea of my AP psychology teacher. He said that oh. every day, you write down the peak of the day, the pit of the day, an inspirational quote that you heard, and then you write, write down a small act of kindness that you performed for someone. And he said, oh. you just keep this all in a journal. You can type it, you can write this journal, but you just keep this. And it, it's not only a great way, you know, maybe years from now, down the road, you can kind of flip back through this journal and remember these wonderful years. But also day to day when you have to sit down at the end of a long, really stressful period of time and really rack your brain for anything wonderful that might have happened to you that day that unfortunately might have been kind of brushed under the rug amidst all the worry and the stress. Well, that really helps you understand that life is full of both good and bad, full of hardships and blessings. And when we focus on the blessings, that's when we really grow and flower and become our best selves
3: exactly exactly and you know when you're adapting to change and you're either deciding that you're going to be the victim or you're going to be the victor you know are you going to um think you know this is so hard that I should probably just give up and then you, you don't move forward with that or you become the victor and you say uh you know I can do this I have the strength and I'm going to um you know, push forward and um, be persistent and persevere through everything that's going on right now. And it's really about learning what's going to go on and what's going to happen, you know, and that's where fear comes from, not knowing what is going to happen. And if you decide to just take that fear and push it aside thinking, you know, of course, I don't know the future. How do I know what's going to happen? I'm just going to let whatever is going to happen, you know, just learning to take things as it comes and learning what kind of attitude you're going to have about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. I think that's actually the title of a book that my AP psychology teacher was recommending I read. That class has really been transformative for me. And Mm -hmm. another thing that I've learned along the way in terms of adapting and dealing with change is this idea that you have to pay attention to your life. You know, sometimes when we're going through hardships, I think we have a tendency to want to sweep everything under the rug, as I said. We kind of want to put on our blinders and, mm-hmm. and deny the fact that all these major life changes are in the works. But the problem with that is that you never learn when to confront this change. You never build up the musculature to help you accept the change. All you really yeah. do is just try to deny it subconsciously, even though you know it's bound to happen. And so I think you have to have this sort of confrontational attitude with your own life. Be willing to confront whatever is in your life, in your head, in your heart. Be willing to dig that out and bring it to light and really figure out what's going on with you internally as you go through all these changes in your life. I think you have to pay attention to not only your outer life, but also your inside. How are you feeling? You know, How are these things really impacting you? Sometimes I think when we go to college, all we think about is, Wow, I want to meet people like this, and I want to take these types of classes, and I want to major in that, and I want to get that internship and I want mm-hmm. to have that club or organization, but you also have to consider how am I going to feel really you know it, i th- I think home is not just a place it 's also a feeling, and you really have to be at home with yourself wherever you are in order to be able to weather the storms
3: It is exactly, and the whole um you know The I want kind of thing, you know, you may want something, but, you know, there may be another plan. Uh, um, Sandy went to school for marketing, to major in marketing, but she became an author instead. Like, you know, she adapted to doing something else. Mm -hmm. And with going to college and going into maybe a new job or buying a new house or moving somewhere and meeting new people, I think that with change, it involves People as well, not just yourself. And you have to have relationships to experience change and be able to uh, handle that adaptation. Well, thank you so much, Henna, for this stimulating conversation. Strategies that allow us to adapt to. change and help us live happier lives and healthier lives is just super useful. And as always, all good things must come to an end. And this show gave us an in-depth look at what it meant to adapt, to be ready and willing to accommodate new conflicts and challenges. The ability to to adapt is a gift to give yourself. Make sure to visit btsya.org and go to events to mark your calendars for the April 25th book blowout bash. It's going to be a blast. See you there. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and Perry DeMone's Kid Star for producing this show where we empower kids. Thanks to our Voice America Kids crew, especially Bruce Solstein. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Adrian Gonzalez.
2: And I'm Hannah Hundle, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be adapting, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and
5: express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. You look
0: at
4: yourself go. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworm Now from the now from the Kickstarter of the month here is the Whispops and their song Sea Turtle
3: from the Kid Star Album of the Month.